Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. How are you? I am fantastic. Okay, today, Paige, we are going to be talking about bringing blended families together. So teaching self-government has become very popular for blended families. In fact, there have been people all over the world in blended family situations who've reached out to me and said, oh, Nicolene, this is just what we needed. Or before that, Nicolene, does this work for a blended family? And I would say, now, I did not come from a blended family. I don't have a blended family, but I will say that I understand what it's like a little bit to be in a blended family, and I know it will work. And the reason why I understand a little bit is because there was a time when we did foster care. And when you do foster care, oftentimes you have to work with the foster child's parents. And so sometimes they even have that child go and stay at home for a weekend and then come back to your place and then go back home. And so it's kind of like working in a blended family because it's like you get everything going great. They go to the other parent's house and then it all falls apart. And then they come back again and you feel like you've got to recoup and try to cover some ground before they go back. And it's going to fall apart again because somebody else is doing something different. So I do have the slightest understanding of this. Also, <laughs> at this point, there've just been so many families who have been blended families who use teaching self-government and I have been able to hear and see their experiences and know some of the struggles and some of the things that are most important to them. So today we're gonna to be talking about blended families and what you can do to bring your blended family together or to help some people that you know with blended families find some solutions that will really make a positive difference for them. But before we do that, we want to share a fun family activity like we always do. So let's talk about fun things that we can do. Maybe these are things when it's like other things are closed, right? I mean, we're in this time of COVID right now and sometimes the usual things are have been closed for people, the usual activities. So what kind of ideas do we have today, Paige? Well, one of my favorite things to do is to go on scavenger hunts, whether it be like, okay, go here and I'm going to need a picture of all of these things. You know, whether it be, you know, the people, you go do a scavenger hunt at Walmart and you need a picture of these items before you can come back. Or you have to go to different places and do different poses um, in like by different objects and take pictures of that and then, you know, regroup afterwards. But scavenger hunts are always super duper fun. They're so fun. I love scavenger hunts too. In fact, when I was a babysitter, I remember back, you know, 12 year old Nicolene, 15 year old Nicolene, I used to think I want these children I'm babysitting to think I'm the best babysitter they ever had. We're doing a scavenger hunt. And so I would plan out a little neighborhood scavenger hunt or something. We'd go around and find all the things and they thought it was so fun. We do little nature scavenger hunts and then scavenger hunts in the house 
house and like, okay, find me two shoelaces that are exactly this long or whatever, you know, so they're pulling all the shoelaces out of the shoes and they're measuring <laughs> them. And anyway, you know, cause there's like just so many different things. So, um, lately I have been alerted to the fact that there are these apps and there's multiple of them. So, so take your pick. I'm not uh, going to be, you know, advertising for one app over another, but, <laughs> um, but there are these apps that allow you to do city scavenger hunts. And some of the apps are free. Some of them cost, but these city scavenger hunts are scavenger hunt ideas that have been put together by people. And they actually take you through the hunt in a certain city. So you just go in there and you say, okay, I am in San Francisco or I am in Duluth, Minnesota or wherever it is. <laughs> and you just, you just type in some little place that you are. And it can even be smaller towns and it will say, okay, well, you divide into teams. And so then you list your people that are going to be in your teams and then each team starts like you go into your car and you start and it'll give you some like clue or thing that you have to decode to try and then figure out the real clue. Right. And then the, and then you go to the real clue and you have to do something weird there. Like you have to do a dance in some, in like a public place or something <laughs> by a drinking fountain or, you know, or something. And then someone has to film it or take a picture or whatever. And then once that's done, then you log in, you plug in that it's done. And then it gives you another thing that you have to like decode somehow and to figure out then what your next clue is going to be. And then you drive there and, you know, maybe you have to like volunteer to pump a stranger's gas or something, you know, or whatever, but you go and see, sometimes there's historical scavenger hunts where you see all the historical things. And then sometimes um, there's just, it's just for funsies. It's like, you might like hit every gas station and you're doing something different places and whatever. So anyway, look these things up, set up your own if you've got the inclination, cause that's super fun. But mm -hmm. also if you want just something to do when you don't know what else to do, maybe doing one of these scavenger hunt apps could be just the thing. And maybe just go to a town that you do, don't usually visit, you know, maybe like, okay, I'm going to go one hour away to some other town that I don't go to very often. And I'm just going to pull up the scavenger hunt app and we're going to do a scavenger hunt in that town. I mean, it could just be a blast. So okay. anyway, there you go. Scavenger hunts. Love it. Yes. Okay. So here at the teaching self-government podcast, we are going to be looking through the lens of self-government. Paige, explain to us what self-government is to you. The way that kind of we explain it is self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. So for me, that's, you know, knowing what's going on, being able to analyze what's going on and then saying, okay, what am I going to do? And how am I going to act in this situation? Mm -hmm. Making a plan for yourself, right? It's called being deliberate, living deliberately. So today we're going to take this viewpoint of self-government and we're going to look at blended families Ooh. and the dynamic of blended families. So Paige, you were talking to me about a friend that you have that recently got married and 
and has a little blended family. So maybe kind of explain, um, you know, some of the thoughts that you've had there. Yeah, so I was visiting with them uh, recently, and I was watching how um, the new addition to the family, so it was the mother's child, um, and she had just gotten married, and I was watching how he was interacting with her, and I'm like, huh. You don't mean the child, you mean the... You don't mean the child and the mother, how they were interacting. You no, 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 no. The, the new father and the child. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like, you know, he's doing really, really well. Um, and they, you know, I, I don't know if they had a system or if, you know, he was just, you know, kind of going off of instincts. But I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder, like, just how much self-government, you know, would play into a situation like that. And so you know, we were just kind of talking a little bit. I'm like, this is, it's really interesting to see how they interact and how um, this new father, you know, sees his role in his new family. Yeah. How he, you know, just kind of is taking up that role. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and not being passive. Now his situation is a little different than some blended families because so we, in, in this case, you're talking about there's a mother with a child and then marrying a man who does not have children. Right. Okay. So that, that's one dynamic that might exist where, you know, one parent has children already and then marry another one that doesn't. And so, and in some ways that's slightly easier because you don't already have a history of both parenting the same types of things, possibly different ways, Mm -hmm. which can be a reality. And so then, you know, you get together like these, like families that have, you know, dad's got his kids, mom has her kids from previous marriages, they come together and the way they do after dinner cleanup may be totally different. The way they handle eye rolling and attitude problems may be totally different. Right. The way, you know, all these things are totally different and they've both handled the same things after dinner cleanup and attitude problems, but they don't both do it different ways. This can really be a hard obstacle to overcome, you know, mm-hmm. because you, your children too feel like, well, my mom does it the right way or my mom or my dad does it the right way. You're not my mom or my dad. So you can't tell me because they do it different. And so, so then you've got the children because they were also in a different situation, starting to like pull rank on the parents, right? right? The other parents, the ones that are now the new parents. And then you get a completely new dynamic when all of a sudden they have this mother and this father have children of their own, right? So then you have the his, hers, and theirs thing. So so then with the theirs, sometimes the his and hers, uh, the parents, um, the him and her decide to have a completely new set of rules for the theirs, right? Instead of just like the same rules for all of it. (laughs) Right. Well, because it's hard for them to have the same rules because... Number one, they have a history of old rules. And so they feel like the children are already used to that. Mm-hmm. But number two, there's this other parent on the other side of each of these children's lives besides the one that's the theirs. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they right. Then you usually other... got the other parent that they separated from. Yeah. And the children oftentimes, most of the time, time yeah. yeah, go to see that other parent. And so then that other parent might be carrying on with the old way or 
which can happen, all of a sudden starts doing things a completely different way. Okay. So then we've got okay. <laughs> the old way, and the, the, which is being perpetuated in one group, the new way, which is there, and then the new person who also has a new way. And then if you bring in, you know, you've got a child that's a theirs, then you have another totally new way because the mother and the father of the child that's a theirs they go, you know what, let's decide how we're going to do this and let's do it a little bit different because we don't have to deal with the exes, right? Now we can mm-hmm. just do it however. So then so then those children sometimes seem like even maybe they're spoiled or babied a little bit because they don't have to deal with the same kind of trauma and stuff as right. the other children. Well, and then the there's thing- like a whole double, double standard and, mm-hmm. you know, parents are parenting some children one way and other children another way. It's just like, make up your mind. And so then children are super confused and then there's animosity towards siblings. And then, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, whew, it's a dynamic, <laughs> you know, that you can have. And so this is why people, they search and search for what are we going to do with this blended family? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to come together on this parenting thing? They want to, you know, they, I mean, for the most part, they really want to, uh, there's always this situation where it's like the old dog doesn't want to learn a new trick. I mean, there's that, right. Because that's just uh, human nature. Right. But usually when a person is at a place where they're going to bring together a family and make a blended family, then they are, they have decided, okay, you know, we will, we will make some adjustments. I will try to learn a way. And so both parents try to come in pretty open-minded, at least at first. Until they start thinking that they're seeing flaws in the other person's strategy or parenting technique. And, can and then the they start asserting their thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can really mess with a new oh, totally. like that. Especially if the kids start pitting their parents against each other. Then that's a huge emotional hurdle that the parents have to overcome. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it can be really difficult. And the thing is, is it's so easy for both sides of the parents to be able to look at the other one and say that is flawed. Mm -hmm. So maybe one is being a friend, friend, parent, like, oh, I'm just going to be their friend. And I'm nicey, nicey. And I'm really permissive. I let them do all kinds of things because I want to be their favorite parent. So they want to be with me instead of dad or, you know, or whatever. Okay. And so then they're the friend, friend, but then the other parent looking on is like, okay, she's going to ruin those kids. She's spoiling them so bad. And even, and so, and, but she, but he like loves the wife and he wants to love, he like loves the kids enough to, to be thinking about their welfare and their well being. So then new dad comes in and is like, that's not okay. I'm not doing that because that goes against my principles. Parents are supposed to be in charge, right? Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden we have kind of like maybe a bully fear-based type of a manipulation, but really, and so then, so then mom maybe, um, who is the more permissive type, the friend type thinks that the, the, the bully fear base, this, this new dad coming into the picture is actually not understanding the heart or circumstances of her children they're not getting close to them so so she's her principle she's saying the principle is you have to understand where they're at you know and and so she feels like the other parents not following her principles so then they end up in 
trauma. And there are a lot of fa- blended families that break. They try and it breaks. It doesn't work. It's and so it's sad because, because then a lot of times they just they don't come go right it. into another one. <clears throat> well, yeah, because everyone wants companionship mm-hmm. and everyone wants their children to have a, a, as close to a normal family upbringing as possible. And that makes complete sense. I mean, that is the pattern for happy living is that normal family dynamic where you've got mother, father, and children, but not everybody gets to have that. You know, they, they may think they're going to have it for the long term, and then something happens and it's not possible, you know, for whatever reason, maybe a death and maybe a divorce and, you know, and who knows what led to that divorce and some of the Mm -hmm. trauma and, so anyway, that is a thing that people deal, deal with in real life. And we know that even though all of my stuff I talk about, okay, well, you know, in the family, mother and father do this. I am fully, fully aware that there are a lot of people who do not have that ideal. But I also feel like it is never a good idea to throw out the ideal just because there are people that have other situations that aren't the ideal. I feel like there's always opportunities to achieve the ideal and there's always ways to do it. You just like, you just have to put in the work. Cause like you see, you know, especially if it's like an actual realistic ideal. Cause like there's some things out there, like when it comes to, Oh, you, everyone should be this body type, blah, blah, blah. That's not ideal. Okay. Um, But when it comes to like having the ideal family, when you think of ideal being, well, they're united and they're happy and, you know, they have a set set of principles, that's ideal. And it can be, it can happen. Um, well, yeah, you should at least work toward it. Like the whole point of an ideal is it's a goal that you're working toward. It's, it's right. pointing you in the right direction. Even when you think, okay, so your health, even your health for your body, you can say, I may not have the ideal, I may have a different body type, but I can still work toward health, right? right. So like, it's like you, you point yourself in the direction toward where you feel like is going to bring the greatest freedom, the greatest mm-hmm. happiness. And that's for yourself and your family. And usually it means living according to principle. In fact, I've never found a time when it doesn't. Right. To have true freedom, like personal freedom, I have to obey certain, uh, like commandments say, you know, I have to obey certain principles, follow certain rules that I know are just truths that are out there. I have to, if I, if I decide those things don't exist, then I never find the happiness I'm looking for. I have to recognize them and then go in that direction. And the same thing goes for everything that we do, even within our families. So let's talk about these blended families. There's lots of times some worries, okay, that new parents have. And this is a super common thing. So you've got a new parent coming in, whether they have children of their own or not, there's some worries that they have. So some of these worries are things like, um, you know, am, are we going to be able to be on the same page? with each other, Mm -hmm. the husband and wife. Um, Is this person, is this other person going to support the way I parent? Are those other children gonna like me? How do I be likable to them? But then probably the biggest one is I 
don't know if I'm technically allowed to parent those children. Mm-hmm. Unless they're given permission by their actual parent. Like, hey, well, yeah. and if they pre-teach their kids, like, hey, yes, you know, we just got married. Um, but even though this isn't your your original parent, they still have authority as like in the parent role. Well, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, is people don't actually oftentimes understand that that they get to still be the parents, even though they're just coming in new. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, I mean, there's, think of all the things you're doing, okay? So you are, you're taking the children places, you're making meals for the children, you're helping them with homework, you know, fill in the blank, all the different things. You're going shopping for them, whatever you're doing, you're going to work. And now it's coming in and contributing to this family of these other people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's just so many things that you have to do. So for, for it to be a rule that you don't get to parent the other person's children that would be a big mistake because that teaches the children massive amounts of entitlement Mm -hmm. to take, 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 take from one parent and never have to honor their role as an adult or as a parent. In fact, this is the family. Yeah. This is really bad moral grooming. And so you definitely don't want to do that. And I would say one of the most common mistakes that, parents make when they are coming into a new family and when they're bringing somebody new into their family as part of a blended family is to not pre-teach what it's going to be like and why just like you were mentioning you've got to pull everybody aside and say okay yeah this is how it's going to be so and you know what when you're here you have to do it this way but, and when you go to somebody else's house, hopefully you'll still follow the same principles we teach you and use the, some of the same skills we teach you. But we do understand that at that other person's house, there may be different rules and different ways. Mm-hmm. And unless you are getting totally abused, I have to just put up with it. There's nothing I can do because it's like when someone's at your house, it's your domain, right? And when it's your child and they're at your house. So this, cause this is where we run into trouble. So the parents have to explain exactly how it's going to work to the children and who the leader is. So let's talk about what do the children really want, Paige? What do they really want? I mean, any child, what do they want? But especially when they have had parents who don't get along and have kind of put the children in the middle of things sometimes mm-hmm. before a divorce or in a difficult situation um, and the children end up caught in the middle. What do those children really want? I mean, I know you and I both know people who've been the children in divorce situations or we've seen people go through divorces. Yeah, and, no, we've, we've got some amazing and as you see it, blended families. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind, I was actually reading a book a little while back um, called The Peace Giver. And kind of the base storyline of that book is about this family where the mother and father, it's not blended, but the mother and father don't get along. And you can just see that the children, they don't feel safe. And they're, they're scared 
that something's going to happen with their parents. And so you, you see in this story, the older siblings, you know, trying to keep it all together for the younger siblings. And um, they're, you know, kind of tentative around mom and dad, you know, because they don't know if things are going to blow up or what's going to happen next. And so they don't feel like home is a safe place. And I think that applies to a lot of blended families as well, especially if they don't have a foundation structure that they follow. And so, um, you know, and I've, I've kind of felt that way too sometimes when I go visit another family or there's a, a time in my life where I actually lived with another family for two and a half months. And I'm like, okay, you know, what's, I don't know what's really going to happen. Um, Cause I don't know what these, like, you know, these parents style or, you know, how they run their home. Um, and it was interesting because I didn't feel quite stable and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was able to fully launch off, you know, of the platform I was given and really become who I needed to be at that time. And so I think that really applies as well, because um, when you've got a lot of children or, you know, multiple children from two different sides, if they don't have a stable foundation, then they have a hard time even just functioning and surviving. Yeah. Well, and when we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about safety here. So they want safety. And then you're getting to some of the root of that safety, which is the stable foundation, which is what mm-hmm. you're calling it. So if, if mother and father in the same home do not agree on how things are going to be happening with problem solving and with, you know, the parenting and stuff. And this is that, blended or non-blended family. Yeah, yeah this is any family. And, and, and here's the thing is the principles that apply to a blended family also apply to or just family that's not a blended family sure. and, and, and vice versa. <laughs> I mean, even though a blended family seems really, really unique, you could have the same dynamic occurring in a non-blended family because both mother and father were raised so differently. And so they feel an allegiance to the way they were raised. And maybe right. even grandparents are in the, in the picture or whatever, you know, or friends. Here's the other thing is your children could go to friends' houses, be parented by friends' parents or by a daycare provider. Mm-hmm. And technically you've created a blended family situation that seems like divorce because we've got another person from the outside, maybe spoiling, maybe, um, even being abusive, you know, any end of the spectrum they could be on, all of a sudden changing things for your child. So the principles apply across the board. But yeah, you're well, right. So, principles. Yeah. So if you have it, if you have a situation where mother's all in for one thing, like, oh, we're going to do this type of parenting, and dad's like, good for you. Let me know how it goes. And he doesn't care. That makes a difference on how stable it feels at home. Mm-hmm. Well, because if, you know, one parent is not invested and I know there was a point in time, like when we were doing self-government, when I was younger, there was a point in time where dad wasn't necessarily on board. And, um, you, you know, you tell the story of how like he struggled really connecting with us and having a presence, you know, in our life that was positive. He was disconnected. Mm-hmm. He was really disconnected because he was definitely, he was caught up in his own stresses, in his own world, in business and whatever. And he was 
not in a good place. I mean, and that was not a good time in, in his life. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for me because I was thinking to myself, no, I love my children enough and my family enough. I'm going to maintain what we've been doing. I'm going to carry on. And then I'm going to pray my guts out that he will get knocked over the head. So that he he will decide to be back on board with the family, but I'm not giving up the family plan because one person all of a sudden has an attitude problem or is just feeling selfish, which is where he was at. And and he admits it now, you know, I mean, it was a year and a half for two years of dad kind of like MIA. I mean, in a way he was here sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't invested the same. Mm -hmm. He was selfish. Yeah. And so it was was interesting though. Cause like at one point he finally came to you and he's like, okay, why do the kids do exactly what you tell them to, but they don't do anything I tell them to. Mm -hmm. And you're like, because your system is not consistent. And well, I just said, just tell them to follow an instruction. And they're, he's like, okay, we're back to that. Like, honey, they know it. I've trained them. They know it, but they're trained to do something different with you because you don't do the same thing I do. Mm-hmm. And so do you like your system? Then stick with it. But if you want my system, then this is what it is. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Cause like, um, I'm a newlywed. And so I've kind of been doing the same thing with my husband, Joseph, because we come from two completely different family backgrounds, like almost polar opposites, um, which I think is hilarious. I think well, it's funny. Except but... for foundational values. <laughs> right, right. right. I mean, values, yeah. principles, truths, those are all the same. But <laughs> yeah. when it comes to like how the family was run I'm like oh my gosh we are complete we come from completely different backgrounds and so I've had to like help Joseph see like hey there's other things that like you know that we can do to even help our relationship be better but you know when we do start a family and when we do have children these are going to be so crucial you know Mm -hmm. things that he didn't necessarily grow up with or even um knew were a thing Well, that's it. You know, as a parent, you only know what you know, right? And you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, parents do the very best they can, and they figure out what they can, what works for them, based on what they know, and then they move forward, they don't have another choice, you know. But if they do have another choice, if they if they get presented all the options, then sometimes you find out there are a few things that could be more effective. Mm-hmm. you know, at touching the hearts of the children or whatever. And, and I feel like um, most people would probably say, well, Paige, you've been very lucky. Like, <laughs> I've been told that a lot, actually. <laughs> you, you're kind of lucky, Paige, because you were raised in a really deliberate fashion. And we discussed exactly why we were doing everything. I mean, we were training you all to be parents as you were being parented, like on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so most parents don't even keep that in mind when they're parenting their children. But I took the long view and I realized everything I was going to do, I wanted it to be perpetuated for the long term. Not that I get to choose, but usually you perpetuate what you were part of. So, right. And it's funny because like parents will come together in blended families like, well, you know, my parents did it this way. Well, my parents did it this way. And then they fight over which one is right or they're usually more under, like sometimes they're understanding and very open-minded like okay well let's try it this way you know but then a lot of times they're like well we didn't know any different and we told ourselves we wouldn't do these things that our parents did to us because we hated it but then that's the only thing we knew so that's what we did 
And that's any, any parent ends up with that problem. I I don't know how many people come to me saying I am recovering from my childhood (laughs) and I am trying not to repeat it, but somehow I keep repeating bits from Mm -hmm. my childhood. I mean, this is like a, every parent's nightmare. They don't want to repeat the problems from their childhood. Right. They they don't know what else is there. Exactly. Because the train, the time when they were being trained to be a parent was actually their childhood. Yeah. That was actually the the training time that if nobody thought of it as the training time, if they were just managing their children, then the child didn't get trained in Mm -hmm. in a way that the child was going to be happy with later. And I think we see a lot of young people not really wanting to embark upon being a parent because their parents just were getting by. Yeah. They're managing and they were, so now we have a lot of entitled people who you know, maybe they don't even want to have families or maybe they have families by accident. And they're like, well, shoot, now what? You well, know? because it's reactive when you were raised in such a way that you feel like it wasn't a good upbringing. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is you you don't want to perpetuate that because you already recognize the truth is you don't know anything different to do. Yeah. And so then people are like, I don't want to, I don't think I'd even be good at this. I'm not sure if I would. Do I really want to wake up in the night? You know, like, I don't know. And so I want to have a family, but that's the one thing I'm not looking forward to because I value my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But I know having children is worth it. So it's okay. (laughs) There you go. You take the leap. Okay. So we've talked about what some of the things that one of the things, a few of the things that the children really want. And you mentioned safety, which brought us into this foundation, this family foundation that people need to have. And I think that's a great place to start with what they want. They want to feel safe. They want to feel um, comfortable. Now, where does that safety come from though? The safety comes from that connection Mm -hmm. with the parents. So if the parents have this united foundation And if they have laid a foundation for this is what our relationships are now going to be like going forward um, and the parents focus on living their role, then there will be a proper healthy connection. Mm -hmm. But if children are dictatorial or are allowed to tell their parents, you can't do that because my mom said, no, my dad, no, they won't. If the children are allowed to have that type of um, authority over the new parents coming in, then they won't feel connected to the new parents. There will be a disconnection that automatically happens mm-hmm. and that will actually impact their feeling of safety within the home and the relationship. Yeah, no, there's so, actually, um, I was in my family relations class um, here at school and we watched this video about an experiment that was done years ago with monkeys um, and how they had, you know, they made like a wire mother and then a cotton um, mother for the monkeys because they're just baby monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they tested which one the monkey would go to when it was scared. And so it would, you know, do something scary to frighten the monkey. And the wire mother, you know, it would give it food, but the cotton mother would not. And it always ran to the cotton mother because it was more comforting. You know, it had that connection of closeness and comfort with Mm -hmm. that cotton mother but that cotton mother didn't give any food and so like it showed that monkeys they preferred that connection and that comfort and security over sustenance and i thought that was really really interesting um Mm -hmm. because it kind of clues us into like the psychology of the human brain as well like a lot of times we would much rather have 
that connection with a person that we know that they care about us and they, and they comfort us over, you know, having monetary or worldly things. And we see that a lot where, you know, families don't have very much, but they're super happy, mm-hmm. you know, because they have each other and they're mm-hmm. connected with each other. Yeah. Well, and, and actually we give up basic needs all the time because of the connection for the person. And that mm-hmm. page is why you will wake up in the night when you have a baby one day, yep. <laughs> because you will say, okay, <laughs> I am getting up because I've got to connect with this child because they need me right now. Mm-hmm. And you will think to yourself, become the cotton mother, still yeah. get them food <laughs> and be the cotton mother. <laughs> Don't just be a wire rigid mother. But mm-hmm. we have to maintain our boundaries too. So this is an important thing that also leads to safety. This feeling of safety and connection is knowing where the boundaries are. And the person who sets the boundaries is the leader. So the children also really want leadership and they want boundaries. Mm -hmm. They want to know where their stopping place is. They want to feel like they are in an environment that is not going to fall apart and boundaries and leadership create that environment. So Mm -hmm. part of feeling safe is knowing everything around you is strong and protective but that means the parent has to have the parental authority in order to have leadership. So even the new parent coming in has to be given parental authority. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it feels weird to hand that over when they haven't been in the mix yet. But technically when you bring them in, they're in the parental role. You have to give them that. There's just, if, if you don't, things start falling apart and the stress levels for everyone goes up. Mm. And there's this feeling like, well, this one person will, well, that lady, she's not my mom. So she can't tell me. So then you end up with this division. The family can't come together because the adults can't be adults. Everyone's role gets frustrated unless you just say, Hey, I picked this very special person, this very special man, this very special husband, or a very special wife or whoever you pick to bring into that family that you have. And, and this person has enough of my trust that I will allow them to parent equally with me, meaning advise me and me advise them both. Mm -hmm. And that we will, we will come together instead of tell each other what to do. So there's not going to be bossing and stuff that happens and the children will respect us both equally. And that's how it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to, if you don't do it that way, um, you create a wedge in your relationship. You create um, anger, frustration in, in the child, in the children and a feeling that their environment is not safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that actually reminds me of a story that you told me one time of, someone that you met um and you were kind of you know teaching a lecture and this this woman just started crying because she and she raised her hand she's like nicoline i wish i had this we did not have any boundaries which meant no leadership in my home you know i i tried everything that i could do to get my mother to tell me no or to at least showed that she cared but she didn't 
Well, because she'd be like, I love you. You're awesome. But she would be, was being a friend Mm -hmm. and the child recognized, you know, in in her teen years, if my mom really cared about me, she'll stop me. Mm -hmm. She'll stop me from ruining my own life. And the mother didn't. And then the person felt like she had years and years then of recuperating and, and recovery from this life and it was horrible for her yeah that that's a that was a moment that I just felt like whoa I'm so glad that she shared that let's let's share a little bit of success though here so I I, let's point us in a direction of where to go so we've been throwing out a few things some mistakes some worries the dynamic of what's going on and what children really want which I hope gives you kind of a call to action but um there is a program, you know, this program called teaching self-government that people, I know, right? <laughs> like, I can't even believe it. And I happen to be the founder of this. <laughs> You're just now figuring this out. <laughs> came up with it on the fly. Anyway, um, no. So this program has actually had amazing success in blended families. Mm-hmm. And it's just so exciting. It started as me doing this with foster children. And like I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, being a foster parent for teens who get to the point where they start sending them home sometimes and then coming back has that feeling of being in a divorce where it's like somebody gets them for you know, every other weekend or something, and then they come back to you and you got to fix things or whatever. Um, so that was, it started, all of this started in that type of a situation. But then as people started asking me if I would teach self-government to them and to their families, blended families started using this and saying, this is perfect because we can both leave our old manipulations behind. Mm -hmm. I was the permissive parent. He was the bully parent. Now we can become the traditional strict parent that Nicolene talks about. We can come together on our principles because we do believe the same kinds of principles. We can come together on our principles, develop new skills to create a different way to communicate as a family. So it's as if this new family has no resemblance of the old families. Mm-hmm. And now it's a fresh start. And if the other parents, when the children go there, want to keep doing things like the old family, then that's fine. But this home is going to be completely different and unified with a whole new person and is going to be free from manipulation at all. Yeah. And, and these families are finding such great success. In fact, I've now had multiple families come to my three-day parenting mastery trainings to get personally trained for three days before getting married so there'll be two families and they're they're gonna come together they're gonna potentially be a blended family you know um i had one couple come just as quote-unquote friends (laughs) and they um their children knew each other they were they kind of like would date they would date each other Mm -hmm. their children would do things together but um they didn't know they were going to be getting married necessarily to each other (laughs) Um, But after going through the training, you know, a little while later down the road, all of a sudden it's like, we're getting married. You know, I I said to myself, of course they are. It's the perfect situation. (laughs) (laughs) They both know the same thing now. 
How perfect is that? Plus they were so cute. <laughs> I love that. But so many couples have come right before they're going to get married and have said, I want to do this training or they've taken my online course mm-hmm. and the teaching self-government parenting course because they've said, okay, we got to do training and get this planned out before we start this. We're not, we're not even going to say I do until we know we can come together on how we're going to parent the children Which is and great. we can leave our, our old things behind. And I just think that's so wise. You don't have to do it in that order, but why not? Yeah, why no, I know when I was dating Joseph, that's something that we talked about. You know, I said, well, I have a, I know there's a way that I want to raise my children. And he hadn't even thought about that yet, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but <laughs> me he was just thinking, I love you. You are so beautiful. (laughs) You are the one for me. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, but then there's me and I've been raised with this system, you know, and raised to be a parent, just, you know, like you said, and I'm like, okay, so have you, have you thought about this at all? Cause I already know exactly what I want to do. And he's like, Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Uh, what do you got for me? (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I've been you know, slowly implementing different aspects of teaching self-government just in our own relationship um, to help prepare him for when we do have kids, you know, and it's, it's been really interesting to uh, watch him open up and to see all these new possibilities that he didn't even know existed. And just to see, you know, his eyes light up, you know, as we set goals for his, for the semester, you know, and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's just a different deliberate way of being, you know? Mm-hmm. So really, when you when self-government is deliberately deciding which direction you're going and deliberately keeping yourself pointed in that direction, you may have a mistake, you may have a bad day or a bad minute, but you know where you're going and you keep pointing yourself there and you decide that that part of the process is important. Oh, it's very important. In fact, in fact that's really the gist of it. Like it, teaching self-government isn't about being perfect. It's about knowing when you weren't and <laughs> fixing it. You know, I mean, like really that that's, and I, I don't know if people fully understand that, that, you know, just because the Peck family teaches self-government to people doesn't mean the Peck family is perfect. But when we mess up, we know immediately. And, we, yeah. and, we and usually, it. and usually we don't mess up because we don't, we've planned not to. Right. And that's the thing. So let's talk about just some of the things that teaching self-government gives to families, blended families that can be incredibly helpful. And I think we've already mentioned quite a few of them, but um, unity between parents is huge. Mm-hmm. That's like number one, that's going to be huge. And that comes uh, through having, you know, those common skills that comes mm-hmm. through the self-government program. Everyone mm-hmm. knows the skills and everyone, everyone is taught the skills. So once the parents are united and can practice these skills, they can then teach those same skills to their, to their kids. Yeah. And part of the program also involves planning for how you're going to solve problems. So mm-hmm. we teach yep, problem solving skills like uh, sodas exercises and we talk about creating a family vision and mission statement and and so putting together the plan for where the family's going and when we have problems how we can solve them so teaching the children the exact words you'll use say for correcting a problem yeah that's going to be big 
Well, and making that plan that comes with, or like that happens in meetings. So we have different kinds of meetings. We've got um, couples meetings, which happens between, you know, the, the parents. And then we've got the family meetings and we have the mentor meetings and all of those meetings help to get the family on the same page with those mm-hmm. skills, with the plan for problem solving, discussing those different problems and helping to set up things that will help to get those problems resolved in the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And all of this comes together, like all of these pieces comes together and ends up creating an environment where the parents can be consistent. Because if you don't have the plan, you don't know where you're going, you don't have the skills to get there, and you don't have a meeting, a place to check up on how you're doing and to set new plans, then you're not going to be self-governed. And it's going to create a lot of just shooting here, you know, like shooting from the hip. Let's maybe try this. Well, let's maybe try this. And actually, you probably won't even get to the planning stage. And if you don't, you end up manipulating. So And then your correcting ends up becoming manipulating because you didn't plan for how to solve the problems in the first place. And so there's just, there's these problems they perpetuate unless you get these pieces in place. So then it creates consistency and parents in blended families really do have a little bit of a higher workload at first. Okay. When you, you had three children, now you have six, right? So, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, it throws you into you know, like parenting, you know, like the 900 series, you know, you're like (laughs) way up there and, and you didn't have a ton of time to prep for it. You just are really going on faith that it's all going to work out. And that's okay because faith is that powerful that most of the time it can work out, which is a good thing. But those parents who are in that situation oftentimes struggle with their consistency because they feel really spread thin. Mm-hmm. So in order to not be spread thin, you've got to do the upfront work and say, okay, what's our plan for, our, where are we going? How are we going to solve our problems? What skills do we need to have as a family? And, and if you can get on the same page with that, then you'll be able to improve your consistency, which then means that your capacity improves. So whenever you're more consistent, you have a higher capacity to be able to handle more things in your life. And that is what most blended families, in fact, I think all families are (laughs) looking for. So I hope this has been useful to you. Thank you for joining me, Paige. If you want more information about teaching self-government, please go to teachingselfgovernment.com. There are courses there. There are things that you can use to answer more of your questions. questions. Yeah, they're already answered. Yeah, I have a support group. You can ask (laughs) questions there every week. Anyway, so go find what you need at teachingselfgovernment.com and we will talk to you again next time on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.